It says in, uh, in verse 19, and this is my favorite part, okay? You shall keep my statutes. You shall not crossbreed different kinds of animals. You shall not sow your field with two kinds of seed and don't wear a garment made of two kinds of material. Oh, I just love this part because this is the part that skeptics just really, really like to quote when they say that we shouldn't be listening to the Old Testament at all. Oh, I just love this. Hey, faithful listener, grab your cup of coffee and experience the Bible in a way you never have before. P40 Ministries is a podcast that goes through the Bible cover to cover. It's an awesome narrative that focuses your mind and prepares your heart for God to speak. So join your host, Jen, for a biblical podcast that's hilarious, informative, imaginative, and fun. The P40 Ministries podcast. Listen now as we go through the book of Leviticus. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to the P40 Ministries podcast this morning. Hi, my name is Jen. I am the host here and I'm just so excited to dive into scripture today because this is such a fun portion of scripture to talk about. Leviticus 19, specifically talking about verse 19, which says that don't wear a garment made of two kinds of material. Oh, I love talking about this part. <laughs> and I've had a few people at this point actually try to argue with me that the Bible is stupid or that Leviticus makes no sense because of this verse. Oh, it's just such a fun verse to talk about. So I'm going to go ahead and talk about that today. <laughs> or rather, I'm going to talk about Leviticus 19, 13 through 19. So grab your Bible, whatever version you prefer to read out of. And uh, depending on your version, when we get to verse 19, it might be a little bit different. But I'm going to be reading out of the W.E.B. version of the Bible today. So grab that cup of coffee or that cup of tea and let's go ahead and start. You shall not oppress your neighbor nor rob him. The wages of a hired servant shall not remain with you all night until the morning. You shall not curse the deaf nor put a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall fear your God. I am Yahweh. You shall do no injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor nor show favoritism to the great, but you shall judge your neighbor in righteousness. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people. You shall not endanger the life of your neighbor. I am Yahweh. You shall not hate your brother in your heart. You shall surely rebuke your neighbor and not bear sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am Yahweh. You shall keep my statutes. You shall not crossbreed different kinds of animals. You shall not sow your field with two kinds of seed. Don't wear a garment made of two kinds of material. So verse 13 is pretty explanatory. You shall not oppress your neighbor nor rob him. Basically, don't take advantage of your neighbor. Don't rob him. Depending on what version you read, it might actually say um, don't like embezzle from him. So yeah, it, it just depends. But it's kind of talking about wealth and money 
more so in this first verse, whereas you're not supposed to rob your neighbor. Pretty uh, self-explanatory on that one. But then it goes on to say, the wages of a hired servant shall not remain with you all night until the morning. I like this verse because this is talking about how a person needs to pay their workers and pay them quickly. So this brings up two different points that I could talk about. The first one is that God is saying that if somebody hires a servant or a worker to come and work for them, they need to make sure that they have the money right then and there to pay that worker as soon as the job is done. And they also need to make sure that they pay that worker quickly. God is actually really big about paying workers their wages. And in fact, it's a sin to not do that. And it's unfortunate because there have been instances where people have not received paychecks or have received the wrong amount of pay from their uh, workplaces. And that's just wrong. It's wrong against God. And you need to make sure that you pay the person that you hire. And also pay the wage. Like if they ask for a certain amount, you need to agree with that beforehand, before you begin hiring them, rather than, uh, you know, having somebody do something and then arguing with them about how much um, you owe them. Oh boy, <laughs> I could talk a lot about that because I used to be a hairdresser and oh my gosh, people would go and get services done from me. Like go in, know exactly what the price was for their haircut or their color or whatever, and then yell at me when I took them up to the cash register because they didn't want to pay it or because they had a coupon that was expired, or whatever reason. I had so many people do that. And like, oh, it just makes me angry just thinking about that. <laughs> oh, I hated doing hair. I hated doing hair. Because of that exact reason. And I mean, here's the thing though. You're supposed to pay the person that does the service for you, and not argue with them. And this is clear through scripture. The wages of a hired servant, right there. You agree beforehand what you're going to pay that person. And it says, shall not remain with you all night until the morning. The second part. And then once you agree on it and the work is done, you pay that person. And anything else is wrong. You know, it's a sin. And I think that's what God is saying pretty clearly here is not to uh, try to cheat somebody out of what you owe them. Verse 14, you shall not curse the deaf, nor put a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall fear your God. I am Yahweh. God was really clear on that one, wasn't he? You shall fear your God and take care of those with disabilities. I mean, what kind of a jerk would like purposefully trip a blind person? Wow. Like, oh my gosh. This kind of shows the fact that God had to give this rule out to his people kind of shows the mentality maybe of where his people were at this time, where they disliked disabled people and thought of them as lesser beings. But God is saying, no, people with disabilities have great value. They are made in my image and you need to respect that. You need to respect the fact that they are human beings, that they are people and not curse them and not try to trip them or do anything else to them, but rather be kind to those with disabilities and help them. And God goes on to say, I am Yahweh, fear me, right after that verse. So yeah, I mean, this is one way that we can show that we are followers of God is just being kind 
to people, being kind to all people, being kind to people with disabilities, just being respectful of life in general. Then it says here, you shall do no injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor, nor show favoritism to the great. Oh, (laughs) I could get, uh, I could get really political with this one. And I think I will. You know, we see this so much nowadays, don't we? Where we show partiality to minorities or to women. And this is huge in Western culture where men are kind of looked down on and women are like raised up on this pedestal. But God says that's actually an injustice and unrighteous. God goes on to say, you shall judge your neighbor in righteousness. So what God's saying here is don't be partial to one person just because you know, they may be a minority or they may be or they might have a victim mindset or something like that. But rather, you're supposed to treat every single person equally. I mean, this even goes back to the whole thing we were talking about with, uh, you know, respecting life, respecting people with disabilities, just treating everybody equally under God, because God created each individual person. God created them uniquely. God created everybody. And so we need to respect everybody as creations of God, even if we don't want to sometimes. (laughs) But yeah, we're not supposed to favor the great. So we're not supposed to favor rich people. We're supposed to show no partiality whatsoever towards people. But rather it says, judge your neighbor in righteousness. I mean, this could be talking about the court system where, you know, because that word judge is in there and God had you know, put up a court system at this point in time. But this could also just be day-to-day life, you know, just kind of what we learn about in the New Testament where Paul says that you're going to know somebody by the fruits that they produce, you know? Like if if somebody's a false teacher in your church, you're going to know whether or not that person is a false teacher by the type of fruit that they have, whether it's uh, the fruit of the Spirit or if it's, you know, bad fruits, I guess. (laughs) anti-fruits. <laughs> I don't know what the word for that would be, anti-fruits. But yeah, I mean, this can go either way, talking about the court system or even just talking about our own communities. Judge your neighbor in righteousness, but don't be partial for, towards one person over the other person. That is actually wrong to do is what God is, is what God says. It's unjust. So in verse 16, it says, you shall not go around as a slanderer among your people. So don't lie about people behind their backs. Uh, Don't be a gossip in a way. It says, you shall not endanger the life of your neighbor. I am Yahweh. Wow. I mean, I mean, that one, once again, pretty self-explanatory. Don't do something to somebody that's going to cause their life to be in danger, whatever that might be. Then in verse 17, you shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall surely rebuke your neighbor and not bear sin because of him. Out of all of them, I feel like this is the kind of the hardest one to listen to because this one says that rather than hating somebody that irritates you over and over and over again, you're supposed to rebuke them so that you don't hate somebody in your own heart. Because when you do hate somebody, even if somebody, uh, you know, is just mean to you over and over or just rubs you the wrong way, (laughs) you're not supposed to hate them. In fact, it says that it's a sin to hate them. I mean, it says here, don't bear sin because of him. 
or because of her or whoever the person is. But that's the thing. Like, we are not supposed to have hatred in our hearts when somebody rubs us the wrong way. And this one is kind of tough for me and sort of a wake up call, if I'm being honest. But, you know, it says that we're supposed to rebuke our neighbors. So we're supposed to talk with them and tell them how they are irritating us. Isn't that interesting? And that's kind of the same way Jesus says to handle stuff in the New Testament, where he says, when you're giving a gift to God, if you remember that somebody has something against you, or even if you have some something against somebody else, you're supposed to leave your gift there at the altar, and you're supposed to go and talk with that person so that that hatred in your heart towards that person goes away. It's the same exact concept that Jesus mentions. And I can't remember where that's at. That might also be in the Sermon on the Mount during uh, Matthew 15 or uh, Matthew 5, I mean. But yeah, I mean, this is just conflict resolution here. You shall surely rebuke your neighbor. I mean, wow, that's really, really hard to do, isn't it? To sit down with somebody, especially if we're not super close with that person, to sit down with them and to rebuke them or to talk with them about how they're irritating you, how they're rubbing you the wrong way, how they're hurting your feelings. But that's the correct way to handle things. And yeah, I mean, wow. <laughs> like I said, kind of a wake up call to me. I have somebody in my life that uh, can rub me the wrong way at times. And somebody actually told me recently that I should sit down with this person and talk with them. And I was kind of like, nah, I don't need to do that. I'll just deal with it. And even though I don't hate this person, Every single time I see them, I'm kind of like, ugh. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. A little bit of a wake-up call for me, I think. So moving on here in verse uh, 18, you shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am Yahweh. So that's kind of a continuation of verse 17. Even if you don't have hatred for somebody in your heart, you might still have a grudge against that person or you might be resentful of that person and you're definitely not supposed to take vengeance against that person if they do something wrong or something to hurt you. In fact, it says in the Bible somewhere that God says that uh, vengeance is his, that people shouldn't be taking out their own vengeance because really being vengeful towards somebody is really, really unhealthy, but forgiveness is freeing forgiveness is something that is so so healthy for us and so good for us i've said this before on the podcast but but forgiveness is really more for us than it is for the person we're forgiving it's more for us because we move into a place of forgiveness where we're not constantly thinking about that person we're not constantly dwelling on anger or thinking about anger or, you know, just being irritated with that person, but rather we're moving into this freedom where we're not thinking about that person anymore and what they did to hurt us, but we're living our lives and we have forgiveness in our hearts. So forgiveness is so, so healthy. And part of moving into forgiveness, I feel like goes back to verse 17, where you shall surely rebuke your neighbor. Yeah. And that's the thing though, like right now, nowadays we have this mindset here in Western culture, especially that we can't tell anybody no. We can't tell anybody that they're wrong or that they're hurting us in some way. We can't, we just have to affirm people all the time. But that is directly contrary to scripture. We shouldn't constantly be affirming people. 
When somebody is in the wrong, we need to tell them because that's loving towards them. And in a way, that's even loving towards yourself because you are able to begin moving into that mindset of forgiveness after you talk with this person about how they've hurt you in, uh, in the past. Moving forward here, it says in, uh, in verse 19, and this is my favorite part, okay? You shall keep my statutes. You shall not crossbreed different kinds of animals. You shall not sow your field with two kinds of seed and don't wear a garment made of two kinds of material. Oh, I just love this part because this is the part that skeptics just really, really like to quote when they say that we shouldn't be listening to the Old Testament at all. Oh, I just love this. Okay. So I'm going to start with the don't wear a garment made of two kinds of material. So the W.E.B. is actually one of the few versions I found that says the word made. But if you go back to the Hebrew, it actually says woven. And for some reason, the the W.E.B. translated that word woven into the word made. But a lot of the other versions will actually say woven. And that's because that is what the Hebrew word is here was woven. So there's two types of material that the Israelites had back in these days that would have been woven. That would have been wool and it would have been linen. Wool is obviously made from animal hair and linen is obviously made from flax. So wool is super hot, right? If you own a pair of wool socks, you do not want to wear those in the summer. They will make your feet sweat and stink. You don't want to wear wool in the summer, but you would want to wear like a linen shirt in the summer because linen is so cooling, but wool is much thicker and it's more heating. So linen and wool should not have been woven together. And those were the only two types of woven materials that the Israelites would have had because there is no evidence that the Israelites had cotton in the least. This is actually confirmed in Deuteronomy chapter 22, where God specifically says, do not wear a garment made of both linen and of wool. And here in Leviticus 19, that's actually mirroring Deuteronomy 22. So it's very logical to assume here that God is talking about woven materials that the Israelites would have had back in their days because of what Deuteronomy 22 says, where God says not to put mix um, uh, wool and linen together. So my point there is that this is not talking about all materials because, you know, leather is not woven, right? It's literally just animal skins. So say you put like leather and wool together, that's not necessarily going to be wrong. And so nowadays people are like, oh, you know, Leviticus is wrong because we wear uh, synthetic clothes all the time and we wear, you know, this and that and the other thing and mixtures of clothes. No, I mean, God was really clear in saying that this was a woven material of wool and linen and that those two materials in general should never be mixed. So there's three different reasons why God would say this. And I just love talking about these. They're so fun. So the first reason is the fact that only the priest actually was allowed to wear a garment made of both wool and linen because the priest was set apart. The priest was holy. And that was because the priest was representing everybody, all different types of people. He was holy. He was set apart and he was representing the entire camp of Israel, whether they were foreigners or whether they were native born. So since the priest represented everybody, he was allowed to wear that linen and wool together. 
And he was the only person that was allowed to wear the linen and wool together. God set that apart specifically for him. And we see that God did that a handful of times in Leviticus or in Exodus, where God says like, you know, don't make the incense that the priests use. You're not allowed to make it for yourselves. That is only for the priests. So God has done this a handful of times where he has set apart special materials, special uh, incense. And there was one other thing he did it with too. It might've been like perfume or something like that. But the priests were allowed to have these special things and he, they were the only person that was allowed to have these special things. And the Israelites were not. Now, the second reason is that <laughs> putting wool and linen together really doesn't make sense. Because remember what I said before, wool is so hot and linen is so cool that when you put those two materials together, it just does not make sense because it's not going to keep you hot during the winter and it's not going to keep you cool during the summer. And even nowadays, you are not going to find a piece of material in the clothing store, a shirt or something that has both wool and linen together because those mixtures of things just don't make sense. They're too opposite. It just doesn't make sense to wear something like that. Unless, of course, you are the priest. <laughs> but then the third reason that God gives this is it's an analogy. It's an analogy of mixing Judaism with paganism. The Jews were never supposed to intermarry with pagan women or pagan men, because then at that point, two different religions would be in the same household. It's kind of like what Jesus says in, in the New Testament of don't be unequally yoked. It's the exact same concept where if a Christian woman goes out and marries somebody that's atheist, that is being unequally yoked, because then at that point, they're constantly going to be butting heads about religion. It's just not a super healthy marriage at that point. So this is the same exact thing. Since wool and linen just don't go together, a person who is a Jew and a person who is a pagan just don't go together. And God has, is going to say this a lot in the coming chapters about how Jewish people, his people should never be intermarrying with pagans. And actually all three of these in verse 19, you shall not crossbreed the different kinds of animals. You shall not sow your field with two kinds of seed and don't wear a garment made of two kinds of material. All three of those things actually have to do with paganism as well. Because pagans, uh, I think the, I don't remember who it was. The, it might have been the Canaanites. Somebody back in these days, some group of people were actually fire worshipers. And the fire worshipers believed like strongly in nature. They worshiped nature. They worshiped fire. And one of the pagan rituals back in these days was actually to plant two different types of seeds next to each other in the fields. And for some reason, they believed that that would produce some sort of magic and then the gods would bless them. You know, it was all superstition. It was all paganism. And same with the crossbreeding different kinds of animals. The pagans would do that for the same reason that they would plant the two seeds in the fields. They would try to crossbreed different types of animals because they believed that, you know, I, I don't even know what they believed, but they believed it was like some sort of magic and that pe the gods would bless them because they did this. So all of this can go back to 
pagan roots as well, where God is telling the Israelites, just stay away from paganism and the superstitions of the day. Stay away from it because you worship me now. You don't need to be doing these pagan things. You should not be doing these pagan things. You need to be worshiping God. And I mean, how many times here does God say, I am Yahweh? I mean, here, I think he says it like three times, three or four times in, in just these short verse, verses. And even here in verse 19, you shall keep my statutes rather than these pagan ones where he goes down to list things that the pagans back in, in these days were doing. And let me just tell you my gardening story of what happened, okay? <laughs> I'm just going to tell you. And I, I thought of this verse when I did um, make my garden and I put all different kinds of seeds in my little gardening box. They were all competing the plants were all competing with each other and my cucumber plant tried to choke out every single one of my uh, other plants. It was the weirdest thing. I never saw anything quite like that in my life. And I was a first time gardener, so I had no clue what I was doing. And, you know, I planted the cucumber right next to the tomatoes and right next to the uh, pepper plant. And the cucumber was just literally like choking everything out and was like trying to kill my pepper plant. It was so weird and so cool. I never saw anything like that. So, I mean, there's a very practical reason actually why God says not to sow the field with two different kinds of seed. The practical reason was that the plants would all be competing for sunlight the same way they did in my garden. And so that would start to kill some of the other plants. But rather, the plants need to be planted side by side by side and not have a bunch of mixed plants because that would be the healthiest thing for the plants themselves and for the people as well because you know the plants would then produce be able to produce rather than competing and choking each other out like my cucumber plant tried to do to everything else it was so interesting but yeah so that is my story with gardening <laughs> And, you know, today we talked a lot. We talked a lot about uh, the different rules that God said for the people to do and for the people to not do. And this was a really interesting episode for me. And I'm sorry that it went really long. I'm, I'm looking at the clock now and I'm like, 30 minutes? Holy moly. I had no clue I could talk for 30 minutes <laughs> straight. <laughs> And my husband would be like, yeah, you can talk for a lot longer than that. Okay, but anyway, I'm going to let you guys go because this episode was so long. But I will see you tomorrow bright and early for an episode out of Luke. Happy listening, guys, and God bless. 